Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Joe. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. So I have a couple of visual aids. This is me and my top weight, 450 pounds. Uh, at the very least, the top I ever actually weighed in at was 445 at the doctor after two months of dieting. Uh, and that was this picture right here. And these are pants that used to be tied on me. They are size 56. I am now at half the weight I used to be. I'm maintaining 225 pound weight loss. I'm 225 pounds today. Uh, and the physical recovery came as a result of the spiritual program of Overeaters Anonymous rather than the food. And I wanted to make that clear in my share because as long as you're in the food, you can't get the spiritual solution that this program offers. And if the word God or spiritual offends you like it did me when I first came in, I really didn't like the word God. Um, there's three different ways it's phrased in the big book, which is psychic change. It's a psychological change, change the way you're thinking. Spiritual awakening or a uh, vital spiritual experience. And they're all different ways of saying the same thing. Uh, but I'll just get into my story now and we'll return back to this. Um, I've been overweight pretty much my entire life, as long as I can remember. Um, I was a fat baby, I was a fat kindergartner, I was a fat teenager. Um, and my entire life I can remember sneaking into the kitchen, sneaking into the cupboards, and just eating. And eating uncontrollably, and I never really quite understood why. Um, and I feel like I've always been an addict. I've always compulsively ate. Uh, alcoholically ate, and uh, pretty much my entire life I felt like I was an outcast. I got made fun of for being overweight. Uh, I felt ugly. I felt like I could never have a girlfriend because I was just ugly, and people told me that, oh, if you just lost weight, you'd be so good looking. And that message got sort of stuck in me, and I decided well, I can't date until I'm skinny. And I just never dated. Like, I did not start dating until I was 35. Um, and that was because I had such a low opinion of myself and I hated my body, uh, hated myself. Um, I just didn't feel like someone could actually love me or like me, much less like me, I should say, um, as long as I was overweight. Um, so through high school, I played sports and actually got to a decent weight. I was still overweight, but this is how insane the disease is. I wasn't much bigger than I am now. I had maybe 30 or 40 pounds on me, um, similar build. Actually, I was stronger back then because of the football training. Um, so I had very little body fat, and I was measured at like 18% or something like that. 270 pounds and I thought I was just this fat piece of shit I was a slob excuse my language I swear like a sailor um, try and tone it down but uh, I just had this image of myself as this massive slob that no one could like and 
and you know, people would talk to me, and girls would talk to me, and I had no concept that anyone might be interested in me. Um, and that didn't last for very long either. And I had pictures that I went back and looked at and went, oh my God, I was not that overweight. And I'll still have to, I have to get them for my parents in their storage right now. But I just went back and looked at it. It's like, oh wow, I was not that overweight. I was, you know, I needed to lose maybe like 30 pounds. And I always had this idea that weight was the problem. If I lost the weight, that would solve all my problems. I would be just, you know, incredible. And life would be incredible. And people would stop treating me poorly. And people would stop making fun of me. Um, but that's not really how it worked, because uh, there was a time where I lost all the weight, and that's not really what happened. Um, so fast forward through into college and going through multiple weight loss programs. I think I started Weight Watchers at eight, went through a whole bunch of different weight loss programs up through high school and college. And in college, finally went on my dad's um, diabetic diet. He had ate himself into diabetes. He was skinny his whole life. Uh, he weighed maybe 180 for his entire adult life, and he was 6'2". So he was kind of a normal build. But he ate his way into diabetes at the age of 50, and uh, that scared me because I was 380 pounds at the time. And this was a couple of years after high school, and I graduated high school at 330. So within a few years' time, I'd gone up to 380. Um, after that, I, uh, I lost 50 pounds in a short amount of time and got a little bit of confidence. But after that, I, uh, I regained it in a, another very short amount of time. Um, and I'll just get into what happened. Um, Around my 30s, I was in a job just as a shuttle driver. Um, I decided to apply my, I always had this sort of weird thing where I'd go back and forth between being unmotivated and totally lazy and unable to do anything and completely motivated and just, it was like I could focus the compulsion into something. Uh, my compulsive nature uh, into something and just do really well at it and excel. And I would oscillate between these two things through my life. And around my 30s, I was in one of those modes where I was doing really well. I got a job at a shell company just as a driver. I, for whatever reason, couldn't get a job out of college. So I took whatever I could get. Um, within a couple months, they made me a supervisor. Within a year or so, year and a half, they made me the general manager of that place. And I was working 80 hours a week and miserable and hated myself. And during that time, I gained um, probably about 60 to 80 pounds. And that's when I got to my top weight of 450 pounds. Um, I, I legitimately hated myself. I hated my life. I hated everything around me. And yet I was doing really well at this job. Um, and my life was completely unmanageable. I was drinking nonstop. I was eating nonstop. I was going, every time I stopped at the gas station, I had to get junk food. And then I would go to the store and get junk food. And then I would go to another convenience store and get junk food. All in the same day, because I didn't want anyone to know that I was fat and 450 pounds. How can you not know I was fat? Um, but I would just go around to all these different places getting my fix, or I'd go to the drive-thru. 
and I was really addictive about it. And you know, I, I heard stories like this in AA, and I went, "Oh my God, that's me with food." Um, you know, and through that, I, I went and saw a therapist to try and get some help because I started wanting to die. I hadn't gotten to the point of planning suicide, but I started wishing I could die, I could drive into a wall, I'd get into an accident while I was driving the shuttles, because even as the GM, I still had to jump in and help. Um, I did some things during that time I'm not proud of and I'm making amends for. Uh, I let my rage, road rage get the best of me and uh, hurt someone. And that's not something I'm proud of and not something I ever want to do to another person again. Um, I, uh, I was absolutely miserable at that time, and I took my misery out on other people. Um, so I wanted to die, and this therapist was like, you know, I, I kind of told her I thought I might be an addict. I might have an addictive personality, not that I was an addict. Not that an addictive personality and an addict is anything different, but in my mind it was. And she said, I think you might be right, you should check out OA. And I was living in Millbury at the time. And I was like, no, nah, I don't need that. Um, I wasn't ready yet. And I decided I could build a support network with my friends and we're gonna support each other and work on our goals and all this stuff. And it was like a mini sort of half-assed version of this. Um, and it didn't really work. And uh, Another year or so later of being unemployed because that job eventually ended. They didn't take, um, you know, I had a big resentment at that place because they didn't take my advice and get us extra vans that we needed so that we could accommodate all of the flights we needed to cover. So we lost our contract uh, with the biggest airline that we had. And I took that personally and I had an ego about it and I decided that, you know, they didn't listen to me, and how dare they, and now I'm out of a job. Um, but they did offer me a job to go to Vegas or Charlotte and open up a new place, and I decided, no, I'm going to stay around. And in the end, I just ended up being unemployed for about a year. And during that year, I got really suicidal to the point where I decided I would had a time, a place, a plan, and there were multiple times through my life where I was suicidal, um, just because of all the depression and self-loathing I had. At a time, a place, and everything picked out, set up, I was ready to do it, and I realized I'm going to kill myself if I do not find help. And I had nieces and nephews I didn't want to hurt. I didn't really like my parents that much, but I still didn't want to do that to them. And I have a brother and sister, and I didn't want to do that to them. I didn't want to kill myself and kind of leave that hole not that I thought I was important, because I didn't think I was important. I thought I was a piece of shit and no one loved me. Um, but that was kind of my turning point. Um, I realized I needed help, and I turned it over for the first time without realizing that's what I was doing to my best friend and my brother and said, I need help, and you need to put me on suicide watch. Because um, this is the day, the time, and the plan. And I told them what I was doing so that they could stop me if they needed to. Um, and luckily, they didn't need to stop me 
just having them there and watching me was all I really needed. So I tried, instead of coming to OA at that time, I tried this crazy liquid diet. Lost 180 pounds, did the roller coaster, finally started dating because I thought the weight's gone, I can date now. And no, I just sought out other people who were as sick as I was. And those didn't go well. And I got hurt, they got hurt, and I ate over it. And I regained half of the weight loss in well under six months. It's probably closer to three to four that I gained about 90 pounds. Uh, and that was what brought me to the rooms of OA. Uh, and in the rooms of OA, I kind of worked the program a little bit. My first meeting was OA How out in Concord. I live in Concord and work out here in San Francisco. So I bounce between the two fellowships. Um, and it didn't really work for me because I couldn't really find a sponsor and the one who I did find was in relapse and hadn't worked the steps and wasn't a good match for me. Um, so we dissolved that relationship um, and I went without a sponsor for a while and I was working with my A sponsor who kind of knew about OA and FA and I was trying to use him as my resource for all this stuff and that didn't work. I found a little bit of relief by cutting all carbs out of my diet. Um, that was just what I needed to do at that time to regain a little bit of sanity. And it worked for a little while and then I relapsed on food and then I said screw it and then I relapsed on alcohol because I joined AA and OA at the exact same time. I found I really liked that mix. I liked the post Thanksgiving feeling. And every day for me was Thanksgiving. Uh, every meal for me almost was Thanksgiving. That's the feeling I wanted, that was what I was chasing. Um, and uh, it just didn't work, um, trying to do this program without a sponsor, without an actual OA sponsor. Um, and I finally got one after my relapse and after another relapse after that. And after feeling like a piece of crap through my relapses and oh God, why can't I get this? And I lost all the weight, why isn't everything better now? And what I found was as soon as I started really working my program, started really working the steps, really going to meetings, I finally did 90 and 90, uh, got my OA sponsor, was working the steps in both programs simultaneously. And uh, my life, I even moved into a sober living, so my life was, aside from work, my life was this. My life was 12 steps. And that gave me a life beyond my wildest dreams. I did not expect it to do that. I didn't think it was going to work for me. Uh, the therapist who I went and saw who actually got me to come to my first meeting, um, I, different one, I moved to Concord after I left Millbrae in Berkeley. Um, he was actually an addict, and he got me to go into OA and AA. And he asked me if I wanted to be happy, joyous, and free, and I was like, well, I mean, yeah, it doesn't everyone, but I didn't actually think it could ever happen to me. I didn't think I could ever have that. Um, 
When I first cut the carbs, I got my first taste of freedom from the obsession. And I thought that was all I needed. And it wasn't. Um, and it was working the steps that really gave me the life that I have now. And what my life looks like now is I have a girlfriend that I'm living with. It's the most functional relationship I've ever been in. Um, and I haven't been in that many, so that's not saying much, but we haven't had a single fight since we started dating. And people find that weird and might think that's us avoiding stuff, but we talk about everything. I've told her my entire story, and I never thought I could do that with someone. <clears throat> but that's what my fifth step gave me. That was the gift I got from my fifth step, was being able to be completely honest with someone and not worry about them judging me or leaving me or hating me. <clears throat> Just being able to be completely honest with another human being and be vulnerable and have that intimacy and trust that I had never had before because I did not trust people through my life. You know, for me, trusting people, you know, I suffered abuse. You know, my neighbor when I was a kid sexually abused me. My mom emotionally abused me. Uh, my dad was basically absent. He, he was there, but he was emotionally unavailable because he was also in his disease. And it's okay with him for me to out him as one of us. So I'm okay with doing that. But I didn't know he was one of us until I did my ninth step with him. And then he did his ninth step with me at the same time. And that was something I did not expect. I didn't expect to go to him making amends and saying, hey, I did all these terrible things. Please forgive me. What can I do to make it right? Or not even please forgive me. If they forgive me or not is up to them and it doesn't really make a difference in the end, but in the end, we developed a really strong friendship through that. And I think that's part of what has given me the gift uh, of my current honesty and relationship with my current girlfriend is going through the fifth and ninth steps. Um, you know, I'm going back to school right now for a degree in dietetics and nutrition. As with most of us, I learned everything I possibly could about nutrition. Um, you know, I'm an encyclopedia of nutritional information, and I don't think I'm a special no snowflake in this room with that. But I want to be able to use that information to help other people, just like my therapist did with me. Um, and he is the one who guided me here, and I would like the opportunity to not force people in here, but maybe give them a gentle suggestion um, if maybe they're an addict, maybe come to an OA room. But that's another piece of my 12 step of carrying a message to other people. Um, today I sponsor other men um, and I've learned more from them than I did from either of my sponsors in my other program or this program. And. Uh, you know, if, if you're wondering why we sponsor and we ask nothing in return, it's because the act of sponsoring gives us more than you realize. It gives us so much more than you can possibly imagine. Um, you know, I, I have a sense of accomplishment. I'm helping other people, and not because I want something in return, but 
as a result of not wanting something in return and doing this, I get something, and that is self-esteem. Doing esteemable actions builds self-esteem. And that is, I think, what this program is built on. And you can't get this spiritual solution when you're in the food, and that's what I didn't really understand when I first came in and was relapsing and, and I wasn't getting it, and why wasn't the, you know, cutting out the food my whole solution? I cut out the food, why wasn't I better? It was I had to cut out the food, then do the work, then I got better. And it's a daily maintenance program. You know, I have to work daily to maintain my current sobriety. And I'm in a weird place now because I'm actually no longer wanting to lose weight. This is the first time in my life I've ever said that. Um, and I'm having to add food to my diet because I was getting lightheaded and needed more food. You know, I was working out and moving stuff and all that kind of stuff. I'm still losing weight. I'm just at this point losing weight without trying. And it's a result of this program. Um, it's no longer the goal either. It's just happening. So the physical recovery is just coming because I got the emotional and spiritual recovery. Um, I'm going to use my last five, mm -hmm. four minutes um, to kind of talk about food. Lately, I've been noticing people asking, well, how do you figure out your food plan? I, I don't get it. Why do you cut this out? I don't want to give that up. I don't want to give this up. And I just kind of wanted to talk about it because a lot of people just don't. Um, and I'm not going to get too much into naming foods. But what I have found personally is the food cannot call to me. If the food calls to me, it's out of my diet. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, if it, if I said, oh, hey, there's, there's this food in the, the refrigerator. I kind of want to eat it. If that happens once, eh. if it happens constantly, that's an alcoholic food for me. It's just like alcohol, it's just like a drug. It's cocaine, it's booze, it's whiskey. And that's how I have to treat it. And treating it like that, getting it out of my life, is what really frees me up to be able to do the spiritual work. Um, the food has to, I think I heard in another share at one point, I was listening to podcasts, and someone said the food has to be quiet, and I really like that. Um, you know, I can't be obsessing over it. And I found I had to add things back into my diet, originally cut out, like I said, I originally cut out all carbs, every single form of carb, liquid carbs, like dairy, or juices, or alcohol, I mean, I did join AA at the same time, but the only reason I joined AA at the same time is because I was viewing alcohol as liquid sugar. I didn't really think I had a problem with alcohol until I did my little relapse episode and realized, oh, holy shit, I'm an alcoholic too. Um, so it's all about what do you need. And the other thing is I have to go four to six hours between meals. If I go more than that, I make terrible choices. If I go less than that, I'm probably eating compulsively. If I'm going to go more than that, I have to have a snack. There's, there's no 
flexibility on that, and I have to have a flexible plan that works for my life. And for some people, weighing and measuring and having the same three meals throughout the day at the same times works perfectly. And for some of us, what I do works perfectly. And for some of us, what I do is way too strict for them. Um, you know, it's we all have different needs, different food plans, different binge foods. We graze differently. I do mine late at night. We binge differently. Um, you know, some of us are just pure grazers. Some of us are bingers and grazers. You know, we go all over the place. We have our drugs of choice, so to speak, and. Uh, you know, what works for one person may not work for everyone. But I've found I can take the, the uh, suggestions and try them. And if they work, awesome. I'll use it. If it doesn't work, okay. I tried it, didn't work, move on. And what my abstinence looks like today is three meals, four to six hours apart, one snack, which turns into a meal if I work out. And this was worked out with my sponsor. And I can't stress enough how important it is to bounce this stuff off of other people, because if it was up to me completely, it would not look like this. <laughs> I probably would have made some stupid decision about how to do this off on my own. I had to bounce these ideas off of someone else, because I can't trust my brain. My brain is broken. My brain wants what it wants, and it wants it now. Even though I'm, I'm free of the obsession, my brain will still go, oh, hey, yeah, you can have that. Go, no, no, I can't have that. That's out of my diet. Like, why? But, you know, my brain tells me I can do this, and it tells me, oh, hey, you know, this, this borderline food thing is totally okay. And that's just the disease. Anyway, I'll end it there. Thank you.